that I want to make to you today. I am a recovering political junkie. Now that's probably not what you expected to hear me say, but it's true. Since I was a small child, I have had an interest in all things government and politics and history-based. When my mom used to take us down to the library, when we were kids on Saturday mornings to pick out the books for the week, unlike what most kids my age would do, which would be run to the adventure or to the mystery section, I would go over to the presidential biography section and pick out a biography to be able to read that week. In my lifetime, I have probably read most every president's biography, only lacking just two or three. Now, I'm not telling you any of this this morning in order to try to build my resume, but what I want to do is hopefully provide for you some context into why I'm sharing what I'm sharing. Now, it didn't stop, all of this interest in political things didn't stop um, when I was just young and reading books. When I got involved in school, I was involved in student government all the way through high school and into college where I served as a dorm senator. Um, from there, we moved to Texas. And when I was in my first pastorate, a uh, retired doctor that was in our congregation saw my deep interest in politics. And so he came to me and got me involved in a young leaders group that was there inside of our town. And through that young leaders group, I met some friends. And before before we knew it, we had actually formed a political pact for our party. Well, it turns out that our party needed some life and we were the life that it needed. It wasn't long before way more people than we ever expected were joining and attending our functions. It wasn't long either before every politician wanted in some way to associate themselves with this band of young leaders. We were on talk radio two to three times on a weekly basis, as well as we all began to make our foray into our own political lives and careers. I started with running for uh, a school board. Uh, I won that election and began to serve there. And it, from that point, we moved to Virginia where I thought, hey, forget local politics. I want to find out what state politics is like. And so I got involved with a foundation and I was its grassroots uh, uh, coordinator, which meant that I would help to activate all of the activists throughout the state, hundreds if not thousands of activists, in order to be able to push forward the agenda that we wanted to push forward. Through that, I had the chance to testify in front of committees as well as uh, continue to drive my political interest. Now, again, I mention all that not as resume building, but because I want you today to be able to see that I'm not a pastor speaking from a lack of authority on the political subject. Because some of the things that I might be saying to you today, you would not expect me to say coming from the type of background that I've had the opportunity to be able to come from. You see, for all of those years, there was something that I was thinking. I was thinking that maybe that with the right combination of politics and the right combination of Jesus and his teaching, that we might really be able to transform our society. Unfortunately, over time, I was able to see that it's not a mixture of anything plus Jesus that has the opportunity 
to be able to transform our society. You see, Jesus came to declare not that one side was right and the other side was wrong, but Jesus came to declare and to reclaim a kingdom that was always his. This was not a kingdom that is going to be governed by man's wisdom or ego as we currently see in our present political state. However, he had come to be able to declare and to reclaim a kingdom that at the time of his coming, nobody recognized. And unfortunately, in our own political landscape, few today recognize. In Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 20, it says this, being asked by one of the Pharisees, the Jesus being asked by one of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God was coming, Jesus answered to them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, lo, here it is. Or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Recognizing that as a Jesus follower, you are a citizen of this present kingdom, the kingdom that he came to declare, to show you that was already present, no matter what the political landscape may hold. As a Jesus follower, you are a citizen of God's kingdom, who just so happens to reside in the United States of America. Now, I've had a lot of political conversations in recent times, as I'm sure you have. And one of the questions that seems to keep coming up to me is the question of what has changed. You see, I grew up in my experience, having grown up in church, my experience was this idea of God and country. In fact, on the 4th of July, we would certainly sing just as many or more patriotic songs than we would ever sing hymns. In fact, you could find all of the patriotic songs inside of the hymnal. God and country were things that went together, kind of like hand in glove. You couldn't really separate one from the other. And then somewhere along the way, it seems that we began to drop the idea of God out of it. And the argument started to become more and more about country and party. And then as things began to continue to develop, it seemed that people were less interested even in what was the best thing for the country, but rather what was the best thing for their particular party. And now we're entering into this political climate that even among the parties themselves, there are particular ideologies that are driving the ship. And over the course of time, we have become more and more and more divided. And now we are rapidly descending into ideology alone. And whenever this happens around the world, and across history, it goes by certain names. Names like colonialism, racism, fascism, communism, totalitarianism. And you always know when ideology has become the central driving force. Because the fruit of ideology, human ideology, is all too often seen in violence. That's violence that is whether one is picking up a brick to smash a window, whether one is firing rubber bullets into a crowd of peaceful protesters, or whether one is trying to kidnap a governor. Human ideology always lends itself to the fruit of violence. 
But this is exactly what Jesus came to stop. This is exactly what Jesus came to, to take back. Jesus' declaration was the fact that God in country doesn't even belong. There's only one God and all of it is his kingdom. It all belongs to him. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Above your political parties, above your ideologies, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Live in the Spirit. Produce the fruits of the Spirit. And He, God, will give you everything that you need. Your political party alone is going to get and is getting this wrong. There's one political party that claims that the state should own it. And that if you will give it to the state, it will make sure that everybody gets exactly what they need and everybody is taken care of. There's another political party that claims that if you, you, the individual should own it, that you're a nice person and you'll make sure that the homeless fellow gets his five bucks every now and again. Yet the kingdom theology and not human ideology says something very different than the fact that the state should own it or that you as the individual should own it. Because in Psalms chapter 24, verse 1, it says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. It's all His. Kingdom theology says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And He, the one who owns it, will give you Everything that you need. One party is deeply committed to the idea that parenthood is planned. And yet Mary, the mother of Jesus, certainly didn't plan hers. And as a result, the Savior of the world was born. Another party is absolutely committed to law and order above all things. And the death penalty would certainly be appropriate for the gang member who would have seen someone stripped of their clothing and he would have held the clothes while his fellow gang members picked up up rocks and killed him. And yet, if that law and order of man would have succeeded over and above the law and order which included the grace and mercy of God in his kingdom, then the Apostle Paul would never have become the greatest mouthpiece for our faith. Parties get this wrong. So the question becomes, if parties can't get things right, and we're about to have to vote in an election in which the ideology of parties is exactly what it is that we're voting for, then what are we to do? How are we to be good kingdom citizens and walk into the voting booth and make a decision that makes an impact for Jesus? Well, I think there's a few things that we can really think about. Number one, we can start with what might be wrong with our own party first. You know something? It's really easy to look at the other side, the other team, and be able to point out all of their hypocrisies and all the ways that they're getting it wrong. Anybody can do that. However, it's really tough sometimes to look in the mirror and to be able to discover where our own hypocrisies lie. In fact, this was Jesus's admonition to us in Matthew chapter 7, when in verse 1 he says, Do not judge others 
and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye or a speck in the other party's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? You know, I would imagine that we'll all have an opportunity to change minds in a greater way if we're willing to honestly sit back according to our political ideology and examine where we might be going wrong or where we might have gone wrong in the past. When we have the ability to do that, that creates humility inside of us and it gives us the opportunity to have a conversation with the other side. And it gives the the people on the other side the room to be able to come into that conversation and possibly be changed. So before you spend any more time on social media over the course of this election cycle, pointing out all the hypocrisies of the other side, Maybe take just a moment to be able to see where the side, where the team, where the political party that you're currently aligned with might be getting it wrong. And so how can you know when your party or the policies that you stand for might not exactly be in line with the kingdom ideas? Well, I think a good place to start is the life of Jesus. In fact, if you want to do a real quick practice that'll help you in this arena, then take the time over the course of the next couple of days and simply write down the reasons why you're going to vote. Every single one of us walks into the voting booth with a set of issues that we passionately care the most about. And we believe that these issues outrank any other issue that the nation might be facing. I want you to list those issues out. And then I want you to go back and take the time to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. To look at the life and the sayings and the teachings of Jesus and compare what you see there with the policies that you believe in the most. Imagine what would happen in our election cycles if every single person that declared themselves to be a follower of Jesus Christ actually read the lives and teachings of Jesus before they ever walked into the voting booth. Do it. Compare what you believe in the most to the life of Jesus. Because I think that if you're talking about the issues of life, then it would be really interesting to think about what Jesus might think since he was, in all reality, an unplanned prayer pregnancy. Not only that, but as one that was executed by the state, I wonder what he would feel in terms of capital punishment. How do the things that you believe in the most line up with the lives and sayings of Jesus? And the third thing that you can do to navigate this political landscape and know what to do and how to vote is something that we've been talking about over the course of the last few weeks, your call. Believe it or not, your call matters in this. And you've got to keep moving toward your call. Otherwise, you'll have the chances of going too far right or too far left. Because your greatest call 
is the one that Jesus gives us in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, when he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you are followers of me, that you are citizens of a new kingdom. You've got to love one another. You've got to keep moving toward that call. Let me show you a little bit about how that works. So moving toward your call is a whole lot like riding your bike, especially the call to love one another, always moving toward somebody else. You're fine as long as you keep moving, as long as you keep finding ways to love, even in your political life, everything's gonna be okay. It's the moment that you stop, that it becomes hard to balance, and you're either gonna to fall too far to the right or too far to the left. And finally, I would say, vote wherever you see kingdom fruit. When you walk into that voting booth this election day, think wisely about if I choose this candidate, is what I am promoting love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faith and self-control? Do we have the best chance as a nation to produce that type of fruit because of the decision that I'm making? Above policy, above politics. The fruit that one bears is the most important, and that must be the fruit of the Spirit. If I were an American citizen first and not a kingdom citizen most, then I would end this message today by saying, and may God bless America. But you know what? Since I'm a kingdom citizen first and foremost, then I will end this message today by saying, may God's will be done on earth as it is.